The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Shh. Listen closely. It's there. Do you hear it? Close your eyes. You'll focus better. It's the sound of light. Light at the end of that tunnel. No, really. Use your imagination about something that's real. Because this light, this very special light does make a sound, and it sounds great. It's a tiny dim light, but as we add words to our daily language, words like rollout and mass vaccination and mRNA and trust and vigilance and unselfishness, it'll shine brighter. Hey, how are you? My name is Denny Grignel, your host for the next however long. And on today's program... I don't dislike the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have a good little hockey team and they're fun to watch. But the Montreal Canadiens are, have been, and always will be what hockey is all about. I commiserate with fellow Habs fans, including my pal Mark there, about what it's like to cheer for our team in an area that cheers primarily for your team. The Lakeview Arts Barn never really stopped being, well, the Lakeview Arts Barn even if it meant bringing theater outside. Call it pivoting theater. But is it here to stay at the lab? Our theme music, which you're listening to right now in the background, really is front and center in the sound of this show. And now that we're a year old, well, we've decided to give you a behind-the-scenes look, well, a listen, at how maestro Gerald Van Halteren created that music magic for us some 12 months ago. Settle in, sit back, and uh, yeah, close your eyes if you want to hear the light. Unless you're an ornithologist, uh, an ornitholo- well, a bird expert person, you probably don't know what birds are making that sound. But I'm guessing Anne Rocky could. She is a professor and coordinator with the Faculty of Applied Environmental Planning School of Environment and Natural Sciences at Fleming's Frost Campus. One of many teachers whose students are not in her classroom. They're at home following her class online. But home for many of her students is not just Lindsay or Ontario or Canada, but India. So Professor Rocky came up with an assignment that actually because of the situation we're all living in right now, it's an assignment that would increase the breadth of bird knowledge for all her students. Build a bird feeder in your backyard, observe the birds, and share your findings virtually with the entire class. Now, now we're going to hear from one of those Fleming students in India, Akshay Patel, but we're going to start with Professor Rocky explaining the birth of this unique bird feeder class project. It's been uh, really feeling disconnected from your students and the energy that goes back and forth between a professor and their students. You don't get that um, look of understanding or the nodding heads, just no feedback to what uh, you're trying to, the knowledge you're trying to share. So I was looking for a project that would allow us to all work together and have some interchange, even though some of the students are on a different side of the planet. 
it's hard to teach ecology in the dead of a Canadian winter, and meanwhile, it's the heat of summer for other students. So I wanted something that we could all participate universally, and I came up with uh, watching birds and particularly doing a feeder watch to bring them in. It's common for Ontario birders. I had no idea if it was a pastime in India or overseas as much as it was here, so I had to ask. And lo and behold, they enjoy watching birds, the color of birds, the song, uh, information about how to identify birds or traditions are passed from one generation to the next, just like here. So it really was something that everyone could participate in. For me, it is really a good thing because since my childhood, I have been watching the birds always go out with my grandfather uh, to feed the birds. It is, it is just a part of my daily routine. The Canadian students were uh, keen to find out more and I had to take them through uh, basics of Canadian bird identification as well. I'm not an expert at international bird ID, so I really kind of just left that as a, a, a black hole and I'd just see what would what come in. And the first time I opened up the data set and looked, compared the two side by side, I just sat back in my chair. I was just, the comparisons were just so funny and uplifting. Even just from the list of birds, the, we had a great list of Canadian winter birds, nuthatches and finches and woodpeckers and the things that bring us joy on the Saturday morning weekends with our cup of coffee. But the birds from India <laughs> were jungle babblers and rose-ringed parakeets and uh, red-vented bulbuls and the things I'd never seen. It really was armchair traveling. I had to look them all up and I just had a great time going through the, uh, the data points, uh, observations the students made uh, from both sides. Not only at my home, but you will find small bird feeder each and every each and every home of India. People go for a community bird feeding. Sometimes the grandparent introduce different types of a bird with uh, to their grandchildren. Like this is a peacock, this is a pigeon, this is a hen. Just over to uh, my right and your left here, we have our little tree. Yes, they're, with, they're doing a good job over there this afternoon. Yeah, with the chickadees. And I, I don't want to diminish the thrill there is in having that chickadee land in your hand. And we've seen a billion pictures now on Facebook of people from around here. Hey, look, chickadees are in my hands. It's, um, it's kind of been there, done that for me and many people after a while. So what was it like for you to be introduced to these birds, even virtually from India that you might never have been introduced to? It was fantastic. And they're so colorful, uh, very tropical, a good, uh, a good bomb for the <laughs> COVID soul right now when we're all looking at the same uh, four walls and faces, same faces here in Canada. And the stories that the students put in their um, comments section. Can you that, give me an idea of one? Yeah, like this is a bird of peace. This is the national uh, emblem, the peacock of India. We're lucky to have it come right to our neighborhood feeders. It seems feeders in India have more of a com communal aspect to them. There'll be one in a central square, and that's when the neighbors come to watch and feed the birds and, and visit with each other. And when the students said, I'm not very good at identifying birds, I said, ask somebody that's in the, the square and, and get your knowledge from them. Well, take me back to that conversation with your students who are, are from India originally. Normally, they'd be right in front of you in the classroom, and now they're studying at Fleming College, but from India. What was it like to, to when you approached them? I put it out to the group, and I also had a little bit of um, 
even for the domestic students or students in Ontario, I didn't know if they thought thought this would be a drag or nerdy or or what. So I just asked them, does everyone want a chance to not look at their computer screens and learn a little bit something more about birds? And I said, is that something in India? Do you put out food to attract wild animals or is that just <laughs> something we do over on this side? Why were you so sensitive to, to, to how their, what their reaction would be? I just was a cultural bridge that I hadn't crossed yet. I haven't had been lucky enough to travel to India, but I, I should have realized that the birds and the joy they bring, that's, that's something everyone, uh, any country I've been to here in Canada, it's just, it just cuts across any kind of boundaries. It has a religious side in India because people feel that if you feed the bird, then God may forgive your mistakes. And it is it has also some religious part. That's why lots of people in India do bird feeding, uh, especially in the morning. So here you were a little understandably cautious about possibly um, offending them with some cultural uh, faux Justin. pas. And here you are discovering that, no, they actually embrace it more than us? What was that like? That's great. It was great. I, the, uh, hashtag professor learns a lesson. I really, <laughs> I really did. I uh, was just thrilled beyond. It exceeded my expectations. And, and kudos to the students, all the students. We've got a great uh, bi-country project going together. And the Indian students have never seen a blue jay or a cardinal. And those are striking, outstanding birds that we uh, are lucky enough to have here in the wintertime. So I, I think uh, I think both sides ben uh, benefited and got that dose of outdoor the, the feel-good hormones that come with a connection to nature. We all need it so much right now. Well, tell me about the one that you built. Are you a handy guy? Do you know how to build things? Or did you have to kind of figure that out? Yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't say, I would not say that I am expert in a bird feeding, but my mother, my mother has an excellent skill of a bird feeding. So, so, so your mom all... helped you with your homework? Yes, yeah, definitely. My mother helped me this time. In your own experience, Anne, as a teacher, this would not have been executed probably outside of a pandemic. So when you're taking a look at that screen and you see students and birds from Mumbai and students and birds from Bowmanville, <laughs> what's it like to absorb that? It, it, it really is a feel good. All through the pandemic at Fleming, we've been working really hard to um, be creative and still deliver a, a good um, learning experience for our students in spite of restrictions. And I did not know if this was going to fly, pardon the pun, <laughs> or not. And it, it really it really provided a great deal of satisfaction and good good science. And I'm definitely going to incorporate it in uh, teaching in further years. My name is Anne Rocky, and I'm from Lindsay, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is on Twitter, Instagram, and we now have our very own Facebook page. Please send us your thoughts and story ideas, because we thrive on your feedback. And consider subscribing to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Always free, since day one, because of our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers, named after one of its two owners, Jason Ward. Carissa and Jason Ward and their team offer a wide range of legal services, which you can learn more about at wardlegal.ca. Now, Jason is also the recipient of the 2020 COVID Hero Award. 
Colleen Collins is Executive Director of the Lindsay and District Chamber of Commerce. Here's what she had to say about Jason and his contribution to our community when bestowing this recognition to him last week. Our members were reeling with their doors closed trying to revamp the way that they did business so they could in fact keep doing business all about coping with the constant changes in programs of assistance, new health and safety rules, employment and HR issues. And it was a very scary and confusing time. One of our local business leaders shone in the, a beacon of assistance through his blog on his website and through posts on social media. Nearly every day, immediately after yet another new announcement from the federal government, this gentleman continued to explain what these announcements meant to our business owners, their employees, and the citizens of Court Lakes. This gentleman even held Facebook Live events and participated in Zoom meetings, providing many people peace of mind during such a difficult time. The information disseminated was quick, constant, and very valuable. We even wondered if he was getting any sleep. It became very clear that we should recognize the hard work and the valuable service that this COVID hero provided. There have been a lot of types of heroes that have come to light during this time. First responders, healthcare workers, frontline workers, delivery people, and other essential workers. But in our eyes, our COVID hero, with his constant and amazing guidance, we are very pleased to present Jason Ward with our 2020 COVID Hero Award. My name is Jason Ward of Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay your official sponsor of The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Yeah, this is just supposed to be very casual. If you need another log for your fire or you need a bit more hot chocolate, feel free to get up and go and get one. And uh, otherwise, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And with that, Sarah Quick, Artistic Director of the Lakeview Arts Barn in Bob Cajun, set the stage for a two-actor production of February. A love story, which took place this past weekend. Should I have? Yeah, maybe before you text about it so suggestively. Did I say set the stage? Bit of a misnomer there. It, it wasn't a stage per se. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go now. This production took place just outside the arts barn next to the parking lot. We in the audience, super safely distanced from each other, seated in these nice Adirondack chairs, Sarah and husband James, her fellow lab impresario, even arranged to have these small individual wood-burning metal fire pits in front of us to keep us warm. Wait, 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 hold on. And it worked. It all worked. The actor is using the outdoor environment to their advantage for this story about dating, trying to date during a pandemic. I spoke to Sarah and James after the curtain was drawn and by that I mean after the actors took a bow, we all applauded and put our fires out. The theater is only right there. I can see the building. How far does that inside theater feel right now? It feels a long ways away. This is, uh, this is definitely not something we had ever aspired to do or done uh, outside in the winter or outside period, but it was just a, a great opportunity and, and to be able to host these guys and and to allow them to do the show and to allow our patrons to be able to come out to something in at this time of year i think because so many of our patrons are staying here this winter as well and uh 
It is. It's a world away from what we normally do, but it's it's a great opportunity. The piece was also written to be outside, and so it made sense to, to have this sort of ambiance. And when they wrote it initially, they envisaged it being in a courtyard and having maybe hot chocolate and stuff in the audience and everything. And I just thought, well, we can we can make that winter wonderland and we can make that happen. And I've always liked sort of site-specific, something, you know, a unique setting for a, a play. It almost feels prophetic because the sun is coming out as, as we're speaking here now. How <laughs> yeah. close were you watching the weather this morning and, I and last night? I checked about 13 times since 3 a.m. this morning. Um, but you just have to hope for the best. And we could have moved inside. At the end of the day, we, it's not heated and it's not particularly winterized or unwinterized or whatever, but um, we could have moved inside. The, the show would have gone on regardless. Well, uh, our hope was that people who didn't feel comfortable quite yet coming inside would be able to come outside. And we definitely had that with some of our regular patrons yesterday who, who didn't feel comfortable in the fall coming out. But we're happy to sit here and uh, in their coats and their hats and and enjoy the show and it's it's experiential as well it's the whole sort of coming having to bundle up uh to come out and having to keep your bonfire lit and cooking your s'mores and you know like it's it's the whole experience as opposed to just the play and if that whole experience can enhance what the play is trying to evoke then so much the better because there is always that chance that you have a play outside about the pandemic it could become maudlin and even depressing and and i felt kind of uplifted and it might just be because of the time we're in now and maybe because of the sun's coming out now how careful were you in choosing a play for this kind of environment that would be outdoors um i loved the script when i read it because it was funny and uplifting and i feel like because it was written during this time and um Ellen, who's the writer, and Emilio, who she was creating it with, they wanted it to be a romantic comedy because they wanted a bit of an uplifting feel at this time, but they didn't want to do a stereotypical standard rom-com. They wanted to give it a bit of a twist. So the play is just, you know, really superbly written from, from telling a story point of view. And, you know, they based it a lot on what they were experiencing during the pandemic, certainly what their friends were experiencing. And it just feels very real and very relevant. When I've spoken to business people, um, theater owners or restaurants, a lot of them have come out of this with, hey, you know what? We never used to do it this way, but now we're going to do it this way. The pandemic is, has almost provided them with an opportunity to try things differently. So that's a long way for me to ask. Can you see this becoming kind of a, a part of your program even <laughs> after we get out of this? this? Should we just yes, do it together? You're, not, you're already not. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> this is great and we will adapt and overcome and do whatever we need to do right now. But we cannot wait to going back to doing what we were doing before. It was already a good experience for people and it was it you know we had over 17 years built it to the place where we wanted it to be and we can't wait to get back to that to be honest well good that's i appreciate the <laughs> the always adaptable sarah quick and james barrett of the lakeview arts barn the theater near bob cajun opens its season indoors adhering to safety protocols of course in may find out more at lakeviewartsbarn.com The Advocate Podcast is part of the Lindsay Advocate Online, as well as the Lindsay Advocate Monthly Magazine. All three entities are 100% local media. 
And hey, the Lindsay Advocate just took home its third consecutive award from the Lindsay and District Chamber of Commerce for Media Excellence. Our magazine's associate editor is Nancy Payne. Here's Nancy to tell us what you can expect in the March issue. Did your mom volunteer? Chances are she did, if she was like mine. But that's changing over the years, and we're still expecting an awful lot of unpaid volunteer work from women. Local agencies say anywhere from 60 to 80% of their volunteers are women. But can we sustain that? Read more about it and meet some of the wonderful volunteers in our community like Valmy Barkey and Pat Clark and Barb Truax, the women who make so many wonderful organizations work in our community. That's in the March issue of The Advocate magazine, available at Giant Tiger and Lamentia's Country Market in Lindsay. So I got a phone call last week, that familiar call, well, familiar pre-COVID anyway, it went like this. Hey, uh, I hear you're a goalie. Uh, you available tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m.? I can't say I'm in any hurry to get back on the ice, not just yet. And I am able to satiate those hockey needs by watching my beloved Habs play your Toronto Maple Leafs way more than they usually do. Thanks, 2021 Northern, a.k.a. All-Canadian Division. Seems like it's only heated up that Habs-Leaf rivalry here in Kawartha Lakes. Oh, you, you think I'm I'm alone out here? Oh, trust me, we live amongst you. Darcy and daughter Grace Caffin are fellow fans of Les Habitants, as is Mark Doble, pickup hockey player and co-author of a biography on guitarist Dominic Troiano. We'll talk to Mark about that when the book is released in the early summer. But for now, Mark and Grace and Darcy share their thoughts about what it's like to be a Habs fan in Leafs country. It's a question that every Habs fan in this area has to ask themselves and look back and examine their lives. And, and I, so I have thought about this. And I was 10 years old in 1967, the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs were um, in the in the Stanley Cup final. And everybody in the class, I mean, everybody in the class were rooting for the Leafs. And I, and I guess I'd always been somewhat of a contrarian. I thought, okay, if you guys are gonna cheer for the Leafs, I'm gonna cheer for Montreal. Despite the fact that Montreal didn't win the cup in 67, after that, there was a subsequent run there. Um, it was a very pleasant childhood actually, um, uh, being, you know, watching the Habs. My dad, I was has always been an Avs fan, and then I guess hockey has always been a part of our lives. So we had to pick a team, and it just happened to be the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, and my dad was always a Habs fan growing up. So I think my grandpa was a Habs fan growing up because there was only the original six. So then my dad just kind of followed his lead, and then we grew up watching hockey. Hockey was just part of our lives, and my husband Darcy has always been a Habs fan. And so Grace adapted to that. Evan dappled on a few other teams, but then, yeah, about <laughs> 10, he became a pretty firm Habs fan. Well, why not the Leafs? I just said I look better in red than blue. <laughs> there seemed to be this real um, sense of angst and the, like vehemently uh, uh, angry with me as if I was somewhat, something of a, a traitor. And uh, I never got that. It, it, they tended to be a little quieter when the Canadians were winning Stanley Cups, which was, of course, most of the time. I mean, I can be wearing my Habs gear out on the street and I will get complete strangers um, giving me unsolicited advice of what to do with this gear. 
I think it emboldened me. I thought, and 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 of course, um, Montreal followed with a, a, a pretty strong uh, run. So I, I certainly felt validated uh, when uh, you know guys like Jean Beliveau and uh, Guy Lafleur and Steve Shutt, all of those guys sort of came through for me, despite what anybody might want to think or say. Um, the, the the track record was there, so I, I, I kind of felt validated. I have to say, in the last 26 years or so, um, uh, it's less so. But uh, when I was growing up, uh, that was certainly the case. Grace, what was it like for you growing up? Uh, you're surrounded by Leafs fans. We were always kind of on the edge, I guess. So a lot of chirps, um, especially like at Jersey Day at school. If you chose to wear a Habs jersey, like watch out, they're coming for you. One of my friends is also a Habs fan and lives in a house full of um, Toronto fans. So she has it worse than us. No, it's interesting. You always get the, oh, really? <laughs> I mean, you always get the classic, oh, you're a girl. Do you even know anything about hockey? So that sucks more than the fact that they think you're a Habs fan. <laughs> You and I have played uh, a bit of, uh, you know, pickup hockey in, in some of the local arenas. And I know what it's like when I pull out my Habs jersey. And I almost embrace the sneers. It is unbelievable. Uh, it, it's, and and you, you and I both relate to this. Um, it's, it's like they can't stop themselves from taking a shot at it. It's silly. They really are vehemently against the Montreal Canadiens. And the odd person, and I will say, and certainly not everybody, the odd person will even take a shot at the fact that they're French Canadian, which is, I, I, I call it silly. It's stupid. That tells me at that point that they're, they, they pretty much reached bottom. I remember one particular evening, there was one of the guys in our dressing room, he needed a, a white jersey because we were playing colors and, and whites. And I had an extra white uh, Montreal Canadiens jersey in my bag. And I said, here, um, Dan, you can wear this. And uh, he was disgusted with it, but he had no choice. And sure enough, he comes out wearing my Montreal Canadiens jersey inside out. He just could not bring himself to display the colors. My mom is a diehard Leafs fan, so we just all have a standing bet. And we have another good friend who's a Leafs fan. Every time the teams play, we have a, a standing bet. So somebody, whoever loses, that buys the loser a chocolate bar. So unfortunately, I love the Habs, but it's costing me a lot of chocolate bars lately. <laughs> okay, now conversely, if you were without a shirt and someone gave you a Maple Leafs shirt, would you wear it? I have. It hasn't been my, I, I haven't particularly enjoyed the choice, but I, <laughs> I, I, I played in a couple of tournaments and the team that I happened to be playing on, um, they, they were wearing Leafs jerseys, so I had no choice. And, and actually, my son was playing in that tournament with me, and so we both had to don Leafs jerseys, and there's actually a photograph of our team. We made the semifinals, and, or the finals, and it's not a picture that I display prominently in my home. It's not generally my personality to get too wrapped up in that anyways, but I do have a patient who, God love him, he chirps me every time he comes in the office wearing his Maple Leafs hat every time. And, I mean, it's become comical, really. I think it's kind of fun. It just keeps a good banter going between us. And, you know, uh, my friend who's a Leafs fan always sends me a nice text on game day and lets me know what kind of chocolate bar he prefers. <laughs> 
about two or three years ago that my son and I, who my son's 28 years old, but I've raised him right to be a, a loyal diehard fan. We commiserate every night after the games. Um, but we, we took the train into Montreal, spent the weekend, uh, went to the Bell Centre. It was actually the first time we had been in Montreal to see the Habs play. We've seen them play in Ottawa, Toronto, Buffalo. and But to, to go there, it was kind of like going to church. It was really wonderful. You knew it was going to get heated when they were playing each other so often. So sometimes when you're playing them three nights back to back, and if the one night doesn't end very well, you're like, oh, here we go again. You don't think there's a chance that it kind of waters down the rivalry when they do play each other so often? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that, no. I think there, there's some strong personalities on either team. How would you feel if those two teams met in the playoffs? Which is not only possible, it's quite probable. It would still be a Stanley Cup for Canada if either one of them won. So I would have, we would have to take out of our uh, doubts a little bit there because neither one of them have won in a very long, long time. So <laughs> I think we would take it. That's going to be a bigger bet than a chocolate bar. <laughs> that's that's going to cost somebody. I have a golf buddy that I golf with five days a week all summer long. And by the third hole, he wants to talk about hockey and he wants to make digs about my Montreal Canadiens. And usually by about the sixth hole, I'll come out with some outlandish statement like, well, you know, they are Canada's team. And that pretty much ruins them for the rest of the game. Let's face it, it's a Canadian game and you want to see all of the Canadian teams do well. But Montreal is Montreal. That's all there is to it. Hi, it's Wally Nugent from downtown Lindsay. And you're listening to the Advocate Podcast with Denis Grignon. Wally Nugent, another Habs fan and a very proud one. Just uh, witnessed the periodic Habs displays in the window of his men's hairstyling shop in Lindsay. Okay, I'm going to do that credit things right now that we do at the end of the show, but it's not the end of the show. So just bear with me here because it's not going to have that familiar theme music underneath, but for a good reason, which I'll explain in a bit. Okay, anyway, here's here are the credits. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes is made possible because of our exclusive sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, Carissa and Jason Ward and their team have you covered. Find out what they can do for you at wardlegal.ca. This show is hosted and produced by me, Denis Grignon, and our theme music and all those cool musical bridges, like those short little musical interludes between interviews, that is the brilliant work of Gerald Van Halteren, created and recorded a little more than one year ago in his teaching studio at Van Halteren's Music Center in Lindsay. So I'm going to ask you to uh, just sit back here and travel back in time, shall we? To a time when we could, and will again, be in close proximity to one another. And uh, here's where you can bear witness to this behind the audio scenes listen to how Gerald, the very patient and affable and very, very skilled Gerald, remember he's also a music teacher, created the sound that embodies the tone of the Advocate podcast. Good, all right. Check, check. All right, let's listen. listen. Okay. So here's a, this is the other one that I was thinking. I actually wrote this on this guitar when I bought this guitar. It just came to me. Um. 
I could plug this in again as well if you want. I, I kind of I kind of like the way it sounds. Okay. So can I have you, no idea what I was doing. Can you but. give me a couple of like short, like five second bridges, like just pretend, you know, just a couple of chords. Sure, like like, like well, like I, what? even just sections that were in there, but okay. just a couple, like literally, like, yeah. if I were to take a five second, which I can probably do on my own, but even but if you could do them, then... let's see, yeah. Just something like that, you mean? Is yeah, like gonna literally, repeat I'm that? just thinking, you know, there's one item that I'm thinking, and I just need something to change the gears for the next item. So it's like... Okay, just like end it that short, okay? Yeah. So That was long enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, perfect. That was plenty long, yeah. Okay. Uh, what else do I want to do? Different tempo, whatever you like. Or... Oh, okay. Let me just... stop there because i screwed that up oh man that was beautiful I that's can exactly we, can we just try can we just try it again yes, right to the top of that so i'm just going to record that whole thing again
let me play that on the. Uh, and that is a perfect example of a bridge as well, Gerald. That what you just right. did there. That's right. Right. So you could just you probably just cut and that's exactly it. Yeah. Slice it right. Yeah. So yeah. so listen to it on this guitar. It's going to sound a little different because. So the the one you played at the first you played it on that one the first time, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so now this is a whole tone higher. Well, I'll play it on this one if yeah, you want. Yeah, right? absolutely. So it's a completely different sound because that one's a whole tone lower. So it's do 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 and this one do 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 do. So it's just a, it's kind of could be a different contrast. But but for the listener, it's neat because they'll hear it. They'll go, Hey, I think I recognize this song. It's a bit different. Yeah. Hang on a second. You know, sense of familiarity, but a little bit different, which is what you want. <laughs> okay, perfect. Keep them, Keep them guessing. Yeah, bet. All right. And I don't know how long you want each piece to be, but uh, well, the I'll, theme this... should be about. Nine seconds, I guess. Okay. And then the bridges are like five to ten seconds. Because this part, this piece actually has like three different sections to it, but That's the, fine. The, the one part will probably be long enough. instructions what did you how did you put this in your how did you frame this in your head to go okay i think this will work well um because you said something that was kind of aggressive and yeah. i went well i know exactly what i want to what i want to do because i've already you know already written that piece but I, you knew you just knew yeah from i just i thought you know you, i'm gonna play this for you and you're gonna go that's exactly what i want or you're gonna go gerald that sucks <laughs> i think that sounded great <laughs> 